Welcome back to The Psychonauts, the podcast that trips into the realm of psychedelic medicine as hallucinogenic mushrooms go on trial in South Africa. This is science writer Leonie Jaber coming to you from Cape Town. The voice diaries in this podcast are little news snippets that I'm popping in from time to time, in between recording the longer, formal episodes. It's a chance to get up to speed with what's happening around the world, in terms of the new developments in the realm of psychedelic-assisted therapy. It's where we discuss what's happening in the drug policy reform field. It looks at breakthroughs on the medical front, or activism from within the medical community and the underground psychedelics crowd. I've had a lot of you emailing me to ask about how to get hold of psychedelic medicine through the underground community in South Africa. But it's a little bit tricky because, as you know, most psychedelics are illegal here. So anyone working with this medicine in the underground community is actually breaking the law. But they're doing it anyway because they're convinced about the potential that these substances have for healing and for personal growth. To quote one of the medical researchers from abroad who's working in this area, psychedelics look so promising in this context that they shouldn't be kept just for the treatment of sick people, but they should be used for the betterment of well people too. And given how promising the research is that's coming out of the medical institutions that are working in this field abroad, it's not a question of if psychedelic-assisted therapy becomes mainstream medicine. It's a question of when. In fact, there's already one form of psychedelic-assisted therapy that's legal for medical use here in South Africa, and it's being practiced right now. I'll mention more about that in a minute. For other forms of psychedelic medicine to become mainstream and legal here, we do need drug policies to change, and also for the medical community to train itself up in how to weave this kind of treatment into their day-to-day practice. In the meantime, though, it's clear that word is spreading about the potential that these psychedelics have for us, and many people are going out looking for the substances, or else to find people who can sit with them through psychedelic experiences. There are quite a few skilled people in the underground community right here in South Africa who offer psychedelic retreats. Most of the people are using either ayahuasca or hallucinogenic mushrooms. Ayahuasca usually involves retreats that take three to five days. The hallucinogenic mushroom retreats usually involve sessions that last about 12 hours or so. On the other hand, some people are sourcing the medicine themselves and taking it on their own at home. This isn't a good idea. We've discussed this in previous episodes, but let's just give a quick recap. A deep psychedelic session isn't a recreational thing, where you take a small dose that'll just make the rocks sparkle and the music sound better. A large psychedelic session is off the charts more intense than that, and things can get pretty out there. Many traditional cultures have been working with psychedelic plants and fungi for thousands of years, The recent decades of psychedelics being illegal since the 1970s is just a short chapter in our much longer history of knowing and working with these substances. There are quite a few centuries of accumulated experience from different groups that have produced a very structured way of curating psychedelic experiences so that they're safe and that people can get maximum benefit from the process. And the medical teams today who are doing research in this field, legitimate legal research, are drawing on that old body of knowledge so that they can design a series of best practices or protocols 
for how therapists today should support patients through dosing sessions. These will become the guidelines that therapists use when the medicine becomes legal and mainstream. Psychedelic therapy works best when you have someone with you, supervising you through it, with the right music and in the right environment. This reduces the chance of having a difficult experience, or of someone doing something that might cause harm to themselves or someone else. Please have a listen to episode 6 of The Psychonauts. It's called Bad Trips and Bogeymen, which explains what can go wrong during a psychedelic session and how relatively easy it is to avoid this, just through having the right supervised processes in place. Many people have gotten hold of me over the past few months because they want to have a deep-dose psychedelic experience. And in spite of warning them not to do this alone, some go ahead and do it alone anyway. It's not just that this increases the element of risk for you, but you're not going to get the full potential of the experience that you could have if you were properly supported. The problem, obviously, is that finding the right support or supervision for a session is difficult because there aren't that many people who are trained in how to do it. And, of course, it's illegal, so you can't just hand out business cards if you do offer this kind of service. I mention on the Psychonauts website that I can't help anyone source the medicine or groups offering psychedelic retreats, for obvious reasons. It's illegal. And, of course, your doctor can't help you find the substance either, or work with you through a dosing session, even if she wanted to, because she could lose her license to practice, or even be charged criminally. But many of you are going off into the underground community to find this treatment anyway. So that's why I'm suggesting the following process, in the interest of harm reduction. If anyone's going to try this approach, they'll all be safer if they're informed and supported. Okay, what I'm going to suggest now might sound a little bit out there to those of you who are new to the field of psychedelic medicine. But just to reiterate, I'm drawing on the protocols that are being developed by medical research teams like those at the Imperial College in the UK and Johns Hopkins University in the US, amongst others. And these draw on hundreds of years of experience by some traditional cultures who know how these substances work. The protocols also draw on the very early days of psychedelic-assisted therapy, which happened before the substances were banned in the 1970s, And they also draw on the experience of psychonauts who've been using the substances in the underground community since they were banned. So this is the model that the medical teams are drawing up for their clinical trials, where they're using these substances to help treat mood disorders and addictions. It involves putting a person through a 12-week therapy process. The person meets with a therapist for weekly sessions, where most of the work is normal talk therapy. The first month will be to prepare the person for dosing sessions. Then there will be two dosing sessions on the medicine. The first to bring on a mild psychedelic experience. The second to bring a much more intense experience about a week or so later. Both of these sessions are with two therapists present in a comfortable living room type space with music playing and eye masks on to encourage a more internal process. Think of it as you being your own therapist through the session but you've got someone supervising you in the background. And then the remaining sessions in the three-month process will be about helping the person work through what they've learned in those dosing sessions. For anyone who's been through psychotherapy or some similar counselling process, you've actually already had a glimpse of how psychedelic learning happens. It's those aha moments in therapy where you finally understand an aspect of yourself. 
Psychedelic learning is a lot like that, only it's on steroids. That's why having solid integration support after a dosing session is so important. But the question is, how do we take this model, which is being used by a few medical teams who are licensed to use the process, how do we replicate that in a context here in South Africa where the substances are illegal and our doctors and therapists can't actually weave this into the day-to-day practice? Here's how to cobble together a similar support structure that can reduce the risk of harm to yourself and it won't put your doctor or therapist at risk of losing the license. And again, I'm suggesting this in the interests of harm reduction. First, you need to find yourself an informed psychiatrist or GP or therapist who can screen you to see if you're a good candidate for the treatment. This method isn't a blanket treatment for everyone. If you've got a history of psychosis or schizophrenia in your family, or you've been diagnosed yourself, you probably shouldn't try this approach. If you're on any medication, you need to find out if it's safe to do psychedelic therapy while on that medication, or if it's safe to come off your medication for a short period of time in order to have a psychedelic session. The problem is, medical researchers are still trying to work out what's safe and what's not in this regard. So there's no handbook to refer to yet, as far as I've found. It might also be hard to find a medical person who's knowledgeable in this field and open to discuss this with you. So you might have to do a little bit of legwork. So once you've been medically screened, ideally you then want to have a therapist or a counsellor of some kind who can help prepare you psychologically for a dosing session. This would involve normal talk therapy while you mull over what it is that you need to deal with through the process as well as prepare you for the intensity of the psychedelic experience and give you some tools for how to navigate this whole strange landscape once you're in there. Then you'd have to go into the underground community in order to find a group that offers a psychedelic retreat. Ideally, you want a group that's experienced and has a good reputation. Because these substances are illegal, it's a bit difficult to find these groups and there's also no industry standard to measure their services against or to ensure that they're safe and good at what they do. It's very much a word-of-mouth community, so again, finding them is going to need a little bit of homework. And once more, please don't source these substances and then go and do a big dosing session on your own. It just isn't a good idea. Finally, you then need to make sure you've got support afterwards so that you can work through what it is you learned during your session and find ways to work it into your day-to-day life. That goes back to your therapist or counsellor. Let's just do a quick recap of how these substances work for those of you who might not have listened to earlier episodes of the podcast. Psychedelic therapy works very differently to most psychiatric drugs. With most antidepressants, for instance, you need to take the drug every day to keep the chemical present in your body at a constant level so that it can do its work. But with psychedelics, it's the subjective experience you have during a dosing session that often results in these measurable mood and behavior changes that could last for weeks or even months after a session. In a world where this therapy becomes mainstream, you might book yourself in for one or maybe two supported dosing sessions a year to keep yourself on an even keel. But for the whole process to work well, You need the support that you get from a skilled therapist or counsellor to work with you as you prepare for the dosing session, to sit with you during the dosing session, and then integrate the learning afterwards. 
The dosing session is really like a turbocharged therapy session where you are your own therapist during the hours when you're on the medication. And then the medical person is there just to supervise you through the process. This form of medicine is coming. There's already one form of psychedelic-assisted therapy being practiced legally in South Africa at the moment. The potent psychedelic ibogaine has huge potential for treating people struggling with addiction, and doctors are already prescribing it in some rehabilitation centers. So if the state is open to consider one of these substances for psychedelic-assisted therapy, it might well be open to consider others for similar work. You can hear more about the ibogaine issue on one of the earlier voice diaries, which you'll find either on the Psychonauts website or through iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're using. Another form of therapy is likely to be here within a decade. MDMA-assisted therapy for treating post-traumatic stress disorder is very close to being approved for medical use in the USA. The Food and Drug Administration there recently gave the go-ahead for the final stage of clinical testing of this drug for treating PTSD, meaning that MDMA might be licensed for medical use there in less than five years. Now, the FDA is one of the most influential drug policy agencies in the world, so what it approves for its citizens is very likely to be exported to the rest of the world's policymakers. And finally, psilocybin, the hallucinogen in magic mushrooms, is looking as promising for treating depression, end-of-life anxiety, and certain addictions. And the 2018 legal bid here in the Western Cape High Court to have the substance decriminalized in South Africa may pave the way further for the introduction of these substances for integration into mainstream therapy fairly soon. While the cogs slowly grind away in terms of drug policy changes and popular attitudes towards the substances shifting, our medical community needs to start thinking about how to skill itself up so that it's ready to integrate this form of therapy into day-to-day medical practice. It's not just medically trained people who could offer this form of therapy. Social workers, counsellors, lay counsellors, these are the kinds of professionals who could be trained in how to offer this sort of therapy, either one-on-one or in group contexts. The tricky thing is that anyone wanting to learn how to use this method needs to have experienced it themselves, and as long as the substances remain illegal, getting the experience means engaging in illegal activity. The real risk here isn't in using the substances themselves, The risk is in the criminal implications of being caught doing it. Removing that risk is just a pen stroke away in terms of the law books being changed and the substances being decriminalized. Psychedelic assisted therapy is coming. Policy is changing abroad and it'll arrive on our shores within a decade. I'm almost prepared to put a wager on it.